Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. is the place to be. All the features there. You'll find we give them away, unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their website. Enjoy ours on us, freetalklive.com. Lots to cover. Uh, I like this one that you've got here, Mark. Uh, 20 tips and tricks to improve your finances. Always good to come back to stuff like that because you can never hear this stuff uh, too you can never hear it too much. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. But first, I want to go to a couple of quick stories that I mentioned briefly last night, but we didn't have a chance to cover because things blew up as uh, we enjoy it when they do. So we go first to New Jersey. Readington Township, the story's from NBC10. Sometimes a penny for your thoughts isn't a good thing, at least in Readington Township, where school officials gave 20... I think it's Reddington. Okay. Reddington Township. Uh, school officials gave 29 students detention after they used pennies to pay for their $2 lunches. Okay, so why did they use pennies to pay for their $2 lunches? Superintendent Jordan Schiff said it started out as a prank, but as the 8th graders began to get in trouble for taking up so much time, it turned into a protest about Thursday's shortened lunch period. So the kids wanted more time to eat lunch, I guess. So it was it was it a prank or a, a protest? I, it seems... Well, that's according to the superintendent, so yeah. I don't know. You'd have to ask really the kids. Tr- I don't really trust him. I, I think that it was a protest. Schiff said the students were punished for holding up their peers and disrespecting the lunch aides. Schiff said some parents think a two-day detention went too far, and others think it wasn't enough. The school said it wants students to know they can express themselves without disrupting other people. You can't protest without some, some level of disruption. Sorry. Yeah. I saw That's just wrong. Just speaking out, just <laughs> mistaken. Com- related to what you said here, I saw a video uh, that someone sent me today of some, I guess, some young people in Europe that were doing an anti-war protest, and boy, did they go about it the wrong way. How so? They sat in the street. Oh. Not the street leading to a government building, just some street where commuters were driving. And actually, what ended up happening was one of the commuters just lost it and ran right over some of the kids. Uh, drag. Uh, I think he dragged one girl 20 feet under his car before it finally rolled over top of her, and uh, just awful. Just yeah. The video was just terrible. But you know, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I agree with the purpose of the protest, yeah, and ending the war. But now you're assuming that the, uh, the 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 motorist, in fact, lost it and didn't make a mistake, right? Well, it was pretty deliberate, Mark. I mean, well, he was uh, we stopped. Have seen- we are from Sarasota, Florida, you and I, and we have seen some old people do some amazingly, uh, amazing things uh, with, with vehicles that you just wouldn't think are, is possible. You've seen the uh, pictures on the Internet with uh, just how cars end up. They didn't end up there because the person's mad. They end up there because the person wasn't paying attention or, or stupid or, or something, driving while Yeah, dumb. but usually it's, usually it's an old person who's looking for the brake. And they accidentally hit the gas pedal, and they pl- you know plow their uh, that, that boat. That could very well be the um, the, the the situation in this. They pl- particular plow their Lincoln Continental into uh, you know the the Seven Eleven store window. Yeah. Uh, in this case, this person I don't was think Lincoln's making Continentals anymore. Whatever this person <laughs> was, I don't even know if there is a Lincoln Continental. I was just I can assure you, bringing up the best I mean, looking ones, the '66 and '67. It's got the suicide doors. Similar to the one that Kennedy was shot in. Would old people have uh, driven those cars? Oh yes, my okay. grandmother loved it. Good. Just because they don't make them anymore doesn't mean they won't be on the roads being driven by old people, Mark. Anyway, the guy in this particular video was full stopped. He had come to a stop, and the protesters were right in front of him. 
and he made the decision to uh, to go ahead and just plow right right into them. And so I, I just feel like, look, if you're, you know, protesting on its own isn't very effective uh, in that format, and it's not a good idea to get in the way of the commuters. Just, it's not going to help your situation. They're just going to get angry at you, and they're certainly not going to be open to your message if they're feeling angry. Yeah. So back to the kids at school, uh, certainly not as uh, dangerous of a protest. They're paying for their lunch in pennies. Now, if the government people don't want us to pay for things in pennies, why do we have pennies? Did you ever notice the government people don't like it when you pay for things in pennies, whether it's the school marms uh, serving lunch or it's, the, uh, or, or it's some bu- government bureaucracy that you have to go and pay some ticket to? They take it real personal when you bring pennies in. Yeah, well, you know, you're, you're making their job harder. Uh, you're, you're disrespecting the school lunch people, for God's sake. So the money's not good enough when it's in penny form. Same money, same total, same amount. You're paying, you're paying the bill, but not in the preferred fashion. Well, I, 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 I can't say I understand where they're coming from. I just don't. I think that they're, uh, you know, if, if, the, if the students want to protest a shortened lunch period, then they should be able to protest a shortened lunch period. It seems to me that paying for your school lunch in pennies is a way to do that. It's, it's, it's not a completely inappropriate protest. Like, for instance, coming to school with no shirt to protest, you know, the uh, the shortened lunch period doesn't make as much sense. Hmm. You're paying for the lunch in pennies. Um, now, do the school uh, marm, do the do the, uh, the gals dishing out the food there, do they have anything to do with it? Well, not really. But um, it's not like you can protest to the principal. How often does the average student uh, I- interact with the principal? I only did it when I was in trouble. Which I'm sure was often. No, it wasn't as often as you might think. Well, I can see why the school might have a problem with it. I mean, let's assume it was a private school for a minute instead of a public school. Sure. It's wasting time. I mean, if you oh, walk yeah. into a private business and try to pay for a 2 or $3 item in pennies, <laughs> they're going to tell you to get out. Well, but <laughs> sure. I understand that it's wasting time, but you understand that every protest is going to waste someone's time or disrupt someone in the course of their activities. That's I, kind of what a protest is. Yes, I understand that. I have to look out my window, and there's these bedraggled people out there with signs in their hands, and, and I hear their incessant singing outside. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm not saying the school should have given them detentions, but if the school had opted to say, we're not taking pennies as payment for lunch... That would be fine with me. Yeah, I, I could I, see that. If, if you especially had, if it were a private school, I'd be right. all okay with it being a private. But the, being a government school, it's a government school, it's a government currency. You should take the damn pennies. That's how I see it. Well, now, is coinage legal tender? Because I know the notes actually have you know well, this. That's a good this question. This note is legal tender for all debts. Maybe they just private. don't have enough room to write it on the coins. I can't imagine that it's not legal tender. That's a good question, though. If you know the answer, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mean, I mean, it, it re- would have to be, I guess. I guess you're... it represents a fraction of a note, so yeah. it, it would seem like it would. I mean, if your debt is 50 cents, you would have to pay me in. You'd have to pay in coins, I guess. Or I'd have to pay you back. Well, either way. Well, I just figured I'd bring it up because it was an interesting case. And I thought it was also interesting that some parents said they thought the two-day detention went too far. Others said it didn't go far enough. And the thing is, Those neither... people need freaking lives. Well, neither... But now, wait a minute, Mark. This is their life. It's the kids. They're kids, and right no, the, now... the people that say it went too far, or went, well, didn't, didn't go far didn't enough, go far the enough. punishment, didn't go far enough. Those people need lives. Well, those are the kinds of people that are the law and order types. They want to crack down. They want to punish as, uh, you know, as much as possible. And this brings me back to, you know... A tried and true point about government schools, and that is that neither of those two groups of parents are ever going to get what they want out of the government schools. That much is true. 
the people that want more punishment should be sending their kids to some sort of private military academy. (laughs) And the people that don't want that much punishment should send their kids to some non-governmental school that is far more open-minded than this particular government school. Because what you've got is a system that pits interest groups against one another. That's how the government works, not just in the world of schools, but just as a whole. Government as a whole takes interest groups, and it, it holds out this, uh, this tantalizing concept of, hey, if you get in charge of the government, you can enforce your way on everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so all these uh, interest groups, because they don't want to be enforced upon, they don't want, for instance, the people that don't want... Uh, severe punishments, they don't want the severe punishment people enforcing severe punishments upon them, so they make an effort to get in charge of the government, or the government schools in this case, so they can implement their agenda protecting their kids from the treatment they don't want to see. But of course, as a result, then the people that want the severe punishment are very, very upset, so they redouble their efforts to take control of the government schools or the right. government. Because these kids are just getting away with murder. Right, so in order to crack down and really show them And so the process never ends. It's one group taking control, another group fighting and trying to wrest that control away from the first group, and so on and so forth, on into infinity, until we're all at each other's throats trying to kill one another. That's what the system does. And that's why the system needs to go away. Because without that system, without that tantalizing control, that power... I would agree that the public school system definitely needs to go away. It's just just no good. Right. Without that power out there to be attained, then everybody will just have to go and send their kids where they want to send them to. And they can have the exact kind of education style they want. That's what the free marketplace allows for. More on the way you can take control. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, including the updates. Get signed up. We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. By the way, send out an update this afternoon. Uh, because we have posted our new torrent, the torrent, for the entire month of February. So if you want to download all of the entire month of February shows in one fell swoop, use our torrent option, which uh, is available for free, of course, at freetalklive.com. Also encouraging you to go and vote for the show. We've got, like, what, 3,500 downloads per show now, something like that? Oh, Somewhere you, between 3,000 th- th- 3, to 3,500. So there are a lot of people listening via podcast. Of course, we have a thousands and thousands more listening via the radio. But yet we only have less than to- uh, 200 votes so far this month. Uh, and we're not doing so hot as a result of that. So we need to uh, need your help. Need you to go to vote.freetalklive.com and uh, re- real quickly cast a vote for the show. It'll only take you less than a minute. All you need is an email address, and it makes a big difference for us. That's vote.freetalklive.com. FreeTalkLive.com. All right, so President Hillary Clinton, the North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card. What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at FreeStateProject.org. That's FreeStateProject.org. In some cases, uh, many people are choosing to come to New Hampshire because... Uh, educational freedom is one of the things that is very important to them. The idea of uh, yanking their kids out of government school and maybe sending them to a private school or possibly even homeschooling. Uh, and, and with stories like these, 
story after story of just government school madness, I don't blame parents. If you've got a if you've got a child, a young person in government school, you really should ask yourself why. What why are you keeping them there? I mean, it's really nothing more than like a a day jail for your kids. Well, I don't think that government government school in in the way it's run isn't a lot different than um, private schools out there. It's just that it seems to me that the uh, the teachers just don't care as much. I can definitely um, I went to a private school. I went to a public school, and the I, I I went from being on the dean's list in private school in eighth grade to ninth grade. I think I flunked two classes. The teachers just didn't care, and for some reason it just it just came across, and I realized, mm-hmm. wow, I can fail here, and nobody nobody gives a damn. Whereas yeah. if I'd have been failing in uh, private school, it, it it would have been a problem. It would have been a real problem. I had the same experience, though. I didn't go to, to private school. I went to what they called the gifted school, uh, which was sort of a more exclusive version of a public school, basically. You had to pass a test uh, to get into it. And so the teachers there were of a slightly higher caliber mm-hmm. than the teachers at regular uh, public government schools. And my senior year of high school, I finally left the gifted school to go to regular high school uh, simply because I, I knew I would get better grades at regular high school. And, in fact, it was true. And I did observe exactly what you observed, Mark, and that is that the teachers there, there were a couple of that, you know, a couple of them that Sure, there were some great care. teachers. No doubt. But for the most part, you're absolutely right. They just, the, the attitude wasn't the same. And I could actually get A's in every single class by doing the same level of, the same level of effort, which is virtually nil. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah. I got A's compared to C's is what I was getting in the gifted school. I'd pay some attention during class and wouldn't study at home and wouldn't uh, do a lot of my homework and I would still, you know, do quite well. And um, I, I figured out how to not take the uh, advanced courses and just breeze through. Exactly. Uh, so, back to another school-related story. As I mentioned uh, yesterday, here's another one for you. Again, the parents, the conflict, as uh, we're talking about, these interest groups fighting over, uh, you know, who's going to control the discipline, who's going to control the rules. Uh, in this case, those, those who prefer greater discipline are probably very happy about this story from Parma, Ohio. A kindergarten student with a freshly spiked mohawk has been suspended from school. The mother, Michelle Varil, of the six-year-old Brian Ruta, said nothing in the Parma uh, Community School Handbook prohibits the haircut. Characterized by closely shaved sides with a strip, strip of prominent hair on top, for those of you that didn't know what a mohawk yeah. was, the school said the hair was a distraction for other students. She says, I understand they have a dress code, and I understand he has a uniform, but this is total discrimination. They can't tell me how I can cut his hair. An administrator at the suburban Cleveland Charter School first warned Burrill last fall that the haircut wasn't acceptable. The school later sent another warning to her, reiterating the ban. Mohawks violate the school's policy on being properly groomed, said the school principal. Also, the, school's dress, uh, the school district's dress code allows school officials to forbid anything that interferes with the conduct of education. So, his hair is apparently interfering with the conduct of education. Who gives their five-year-old a mohawk? I don't know. White trash? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I would hesitate to, uh, to to say that. There's been there's lots of white trash out there that put parts in their young men's hair. Um, no, I I, I, I I don't know what I'm dealing with here. I don't know either. But I know that uh, back when you went to to school, Mark, and when I was in school in the in the 80s, there was you know a handful of mohawks around, and there was there were mohawks in high school, and they had uh, rules on how you. Uh, 
you know, how you, you couldn't actually shave it bald to the skin. You could only buzz it or, you know, they had they had mohawk rolls really? in my <laughs> high school. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that this is bizarre. It's more it's more distracting it's, it's if you shave it to the skin. It's a little unfair to the kid, don't you think, to, you know, give him a mohawk? You're saying, you're saying it's wrong to give him a mohawk? Yes, I, I am. A, I think it's a questionable decision as a parent to make. On a five-year-old, I mean, you gotta cut their hair somehow, and they don't have much say in it. So. Right. What if I? Uh, what if I took little Jack when he turns five and sent him off to the public school with those? Well, we you know, know those, you won't do that. The little plastic barrettes with the po- uh, the pink ones with the poodles in them. What if I <laughs> did up his hair with those, huh? And put him in a skirt. I don't know, man. I don't think a mohawk's that bad. It's not the same as cross-dressing. We'd love to hear what you think on this one. 800-259-9231. Didn't that used to be cool? The child doesn't really get to... The child isn't really prepared to make a decision like having a mohawk, in my opinion. And to give him that mohawk is is something close, somewhere in the neighborhood of psychological abuse. Okay. Now, if you want to take that position, what about the mullet? Um... Well, I, I would say that the mullet is a more accepted hairstyle than the uh, mohawk, but at this point... It depends on who you're around, right? I've seen a lot of the younger kids with with mullets. I, I've I, seen a couple weird. with mohawks, to be honest. I, it's I rare, know. but I have seen it. It's, I, I, I just got to say that it, I, I, it... To me, it's questionable parenting. I think it's questionable parenting. I would hesitate to call it abuse, but I think it's a poor I, choice. I, 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 you know, I didn't say abuse. I was getting like there psychological abuse. But you know, like, there's a point, right? There's a point between mohawk and dressing up uh, little Jack in barrettes and uh, a dress that's that is psychological abuse. Wouldn't you agree? Would you agree that the, <laughs> the dress and the barrettes are psychological abuse? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, so no, somewhere between those two is is the point that somebody calls psychological abuse. I'm not saying it should be illegal. I'm just saying that it it would be wrong to send your little boy to school in a dress. Right. Only because that, of what I other people think. I'm not talking about legal and illegal. You're and saying it's Ian abuse. Would, Ian would not complain if it was a private school that did this. You're saying that it was abuse or it is abuse because of what other people think, right, Mark? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe she's just trying to help identify who the more open-minded students are. You are sick. (laughs) You don't want to be friends, little Johnny. You don't want to be friends with the people that are making fun of you because of your haircut. The people that accept you because of your haircut, those are the good people. Maybe yeah. it's a little system. I still have to question her uh, parenting abilities. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways. By the way, she's pulling her kid out of the school, and she says changing the hairstyle is not an option. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both free for you. freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended cleanse. Go to ftldiscount.com. Read some real testimonials and find out how to order. That's FTLdiscount.com. All right, still catching up on the stories we mentioned last night, but we didn't have a chance to get to. Mark, you've got an awful story, just a, uh, just a sick, twisted story about a police officer, or maybe more than one. I haven't read the story. It, it, it involves an, a really invasive situation 
uh, and uh, just get you might as well start because it's just I terrible. Almost, I can't. I, it, I I find it I find it difficult to believe is is all I can caveat this with is Albany. Oh, I don't. The cops in the marked patrol car had circled through West Hill a couple of times, keeping an eye on their female target. Uh, just before you go on. I saw this particular story posted on the BBS. Uh, Hitman posted it, and he seems to have some knowledge about the Albany police. And he said that the Albany police have historically been thugs. I mean, they're just thugs. And so, go on with your with your story. Okay. It, well, you know, I I don't know whether um, I don't know anything about the Albany police. I'm just amazed. All right. So they were they were part of the uh, street drug unit, an aggressive squad assigned to help rid Albany's neighborhoods of drug dealers and addicts blamed for so much of the city's problems. All the more believable now. I mean, the, the vice cops are always more likely to be corrupt. It's an early evening and already dark when the patrol car's emergency lights flash in the rearview mirror of Lisa Shutter's Mitsubishi sedan on Quail Street, just off Central Avenue. Police records show the, cent- uh, the officers called out a Signal 38 to alert the dispatcher that they were on to something suspicious and about to pull someone over. They would later write in a report that they had pulled her over for failure to signal, although no ticket was issued, according to police records shared with the Times Union. This failure to signal crap. Mm. The action of police in the uh, minutes that followed would end in controversy rather than an arrest. They would also leave Shutter, a 28-year-old single mother from Ravenna, shaken and angry after one of the officers allegedly inserted his finger into Shutter's vagina in a public street during an apparent search for drugs. <laughs> when it was over, I pulled off down the road and just cried for probably half an hour, Shutter said. I called my dad. I felt like I'd been basically raped. The incident was triggered and has triggered an ongoing internal affairs investigation by the Albany Police Department. But the handling of that investigation has raised questions about whether the department has sought to cover up the incident. Shut no, they'd never do that. The cops? Protecting their own? Shudder claims Burris Beatty, a commander in the internal affairs, um, it dissuaded her from reporting the incident to a civilian police oversight board. No, don't do that. Hmm. The board which was formed in 2001 in response to community concerns about the handling of internal police investigations, is empowered... In cases like this. Yeah, to monitor cases involving claims of brutality and civil rights violations against any officer. He said they, the internal affairs, would do a better job, Shutter said. When your cops are so bad, when the cops in your area are so just obnoxiously terrible... That uh, people in the in the area mobilize to form a citizens review board for the cops, you know there's a serious problem. Yeah. Because most people they don't care that much. Most people they see the occasional story about police abuse and they you know they brush it under the rug and they go about the rest of their lives. But when the the stories are so prolific, and they're so awful, then people will finally take action, and that's what's happened in Albany. Yeah. But they were told she approached the police. And the police told her, no, no, you don't want to go to the review board. Well, the internal affairs guy, yeah. Right. He said, we'll handle this internally, didn't he? Yeah. Said they'd do a better job. Recounting her conversation with BD, he said they'd like to keep it internal. That's how they uh, (laughs) like to handle things. Now, just just so you understand, you are now something akin to a rape victim. I, you know, I mean, who knows what happened here exactly, but you're something... If it's not rape, it's a sick violation. Something akin to a rape uh, victim here, and... You know the guy on the same, the, the guy wearing the same uniform as the perpetrator of this rape or whatever this this molestation. Same team. Um, says we'd like to keep it internal. Yeah, that's how we handle things. Trust us, we'll do a fine job. Now, do you think that sounds like a threat? 
I mean, to that to that person, do you think it could sound like a threat? I don't know. When Nick, we'd like to keep that? this internal. It depends on how it's said. It, it does. If you say but you you probably don't want to go do to under, anyone else. You that understand could be inflection a can you know inflection can be miscommunicated to people. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if the, looking at this verbiage right here as it is, to me it sounds like it could be a veiled threat. Um, it really using that exact verbiage, I wouldn't say it is, but you know, depending on how it's said, it's it's really hard to tell unless you hear it and you're there. Yeah. Um, but it could be, yeah. Jason S. Allen, acting chairman of the Albany City Police Review Board, did not respond to requests for comment about whether all civilian complaints against officers are forwarded to the board. Instead, someone from the review board, which uh, maintains an office at Albany Law School, contacted the department uh, two weeks ago and alerted them that a Times Union reporter was asking questions about their policies, according to a police department source. So they're you know, telling the cops. They, they don't respond to the uh, press. They respond to the cops. Doesn't this seem wrong to you? Who's stocking this board? And I don't know. And, and that just in and of itself shows that uh, in, in some ways our democratic system doesn't really work. So the board is actually kind of kowtowing to them? Is that what you're well, saying? They're, they're informing the cops. They're not going who's, – whose job is it, according to the, uh, the, the, this document that we run the, the country by, the, the uh, Constitution, whose job is it to keep an eye on the cops? The media. The media. Now, the media calls the Citizens Police Review Board, and the Citizens Police Review Board calls the police, not the media. Who is the Citizens uh, Police Review Board serving? Well, it's not like they were trying to get information out of the, the police, right? The, I, they, I, it looks to me, it says that there's Times Union reporter asking questions about the policies according to police department source. If they cared about the citizens, they'd have called that Times Union back and said, hey, what do you know? What's going on here? Hey, tell us some more. That way they could have gone to the cops armed with more information rather than going well, to the cops. It said earlier that they didn't respond to the reporter, right? They did not respond to the reporter, okay. right. Got it. Okay. Um, one of the officers at the scene, Matthew uh, Farragone, is the son of a former Albany police narcotics lieutenant, Lieutenant Thomas, who was a longtime friend of Chief W. Tuffney. Uh, Farragone headed the drug unit for years when Tuff, Tuffy was a uh, narcotics detective in the 80s and 90s, and the two men also worked together at the state emergency management office. Tuffy said friendships do not influence his decision in making <laughs> instances where many officers may face discipline. Yeah. The other officer was Who Nick, believes this crap? Was Nick Abrams, according to the uh, record shared with the Times Union. Shutter said an internal affairs detective told her that an officer involved in the incident has been suspended, but they wouldn't say why and declined to identify any of the officers by name. Okay. Wow. This is the woman who got molested or claims to have gotten most molested, and they won't tell her the officer's name. So much for being able to, you know, uh, facing your, uh, uh, you know, the person who violated <laughs> you here. Okay, they wouldn't let her look at photographs, and neither uh, Farragone nor Ab- Abrams has been suspended, say sources. Neither of them. So, apparently, they just lied to her. A member of the Citizens Police Review Board, who spoke on condition of anonymity because only the chairman is authorized to make public statements, said some members of the board have privately suspected the department may be hiding cases of police misconduct. In other instances, of course they are. The internal affairs reports are so poorly organized and investigated the the board has trouble reaching decisions and often sends them back for more investigation. The board is supposed to appoint... Okay, these internal affairs reports are put together by cops. Right. People, these, uh, this board can't understand what they're saying. 
What does that tell you about the policing going on in Albany? Trying to hide something. Well, it just looks, it, it's crappy, and uh, they're trying to hide things. I don't know. Well, they don't want the internal affair, or they don't want the review board to know what's going on, so they're intentionally obscuring the reports as much as possible. Maybe so. The board is uh, supposed to appoint a monitor for... You can bet those cops hate the fact that that board's there. I mean, as ineffective as the board might be, they hate the fact that it's there, and they'll do everything in their power to just throw as many wrenches into the system as possible. And that's what they're doing with those reports. The board is supposed to appoint a monitor for complaints involving civil rights violations or alleged excessive uses of force. And I, I don't know. This this thing's just crazy. Is there more? It, it goes on. All right, we'll get to it. 800-259-9231. Your calls as well about whatever you want to discuss. This is your show. And, of course, uh, you know the ultimate question here is, well, if the Citizens Review Board isn't doing what it's supposed to do, then how on earth are these police ever going to be reined in? More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. We'd love your thoughts. Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. Yeah, Nick. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features we give away. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is you send in three bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, turn it right back around, and get more radio stations on board with the program, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. And you get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in line, chat room, forum, and more. The details are all there at amp.freetalklive.com. We're back to the Albany police hell stories. Uh, in this particular case, a woman was put through hell after the police decided she was suspicious she allegedly fit the profile of a, a drug dealer or something like that, which might mean she was driving while black. I don't know. We're, we're not sure. But she was searched a little too closely. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah she claims that they uh, stuck it where they shouldn't. They stuck their finger where they shouldn't have. Yeah. Whether the letter of the law says... And there's a cover-up going on here. Yeah, that much seems to be clear. Whether they did it or not, they're, they're just... The, the level of incompetence and the... Um, obscuring and and you know the the way they just they're hiding everything i don't like it and it seems to be a pattern uh, according to you know the times union and uh, you know the the fact that they even have a citizen a police citizens review panel why do they have that well because there were a lot of complaints previously right but even the panel itself is fairly ineffective at what it's trying to do because the police at every turn do whatever they can to block them by giving them reports that are you know just you can't distinguish what they're trying to say. You can't figure it out. Uh, they're just sloppily written, uh, written that sort of thing. So let's continue the story. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Lost my little space here. Whether the letter of the law says that uh, they that there's, this should be the process, the intent and the spirit of the law mandates that, especially in cases of civil rights violations, they be submitted to us for review, the board member said. If not this, then what do we review? The fact that they would uh, dissuade someone from reporting an incident and say they would do the investigation better completely defeats the purpose of why we were created. Yep. Shutter said she grew increasingly unnerved by her experience with internal affairs, which is known as the officer's professional standards, because male detectives twice suggested she wear clothes from the night of the incident to reenact the body search. I don't know that that sounds terrible or anything, but okay. Weird. It's a little strange. It, it does seem a little odd. And she just said, increasingly unnerved. So she went, what happened was, in case you're just tuning in, she went to Internal Affairs to, to, for, to file a complaint. 
And she told them that she was planning on going to the review board, and they said, oh, no, no, you don't need to do that. We'll just handle it internally. Like, trust us. As though, <laughs> as though you would trust those people. Anyway, continue. T- Tuffy declined to comment on a list of written questions submitted by the Times Union last week, including why internal affairs uh, officials didn't assign a f- female detective on Shutter's case. Seems like something you would consider doing. I hold our officers in the highest standards and expect a complete and thorough investigation, but at this time, since there is no, there is an ongoing internal investigation, it would be inappropriate for me... To comment. Of course it would. Neither officer involved in the incident had been interviewed... It's a textbook. It's so... Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could do this police chief crap. Yeah. Neither officer <laughs> involved in the incident had been interviewed by Internal Affairs, according to the department's sources. They and haven't, haven't been to suspended. They haven't been interviewed. Shutter once met with internal affairs detectives. They refused to give her a copy of a signed statement she made recounting the incident, she said. They couldn't give her a copy of uh, her own statement. They don't remember there was a story, uh, I believe it was the police complaint center that uh, did the investigations. And they went down to Florida. And it was, I guess, the Miami area. They went from police department to police department. And the purpose was they wanted to see what the process was like for someone who had a complaint to simply file a complaint. It wasn't even anything about, you know, they didn't even specify what the issue was. It was just someone who wanted to get a complaint form so it could be filled out. There wasn't actually something to complain about. They just wanted to see what it took to get a complaint form. Right. Most of these police departments didn't even have a complaint form, or they so they claimed. We don't have complaints. The ones that did have a complaint form, most of them would not allow the complaint form to actually leave the department. And they wanted to ask questions about right. it when it did. Well, they would send the bureaucrat out. They'd send one of their bureaucrats out, one of the officers out, to badger the person What's who was looking to, to make a complaint and say, well, I'm not, I can't give you this form. I need to fill it out. You know, or uh, yeah, and then they just would just just beat them beat them verbally for for wanting to even come in and make a complaint. So this is even worse than that. You can see how they react. If you want to challenge their system, they do everything they can, put up all the walls possible. It, it so it seems. She t- um, Shutter said, uh, "I told them I'd take a polygraph, but they told me it wouldn't be necessary." Now, why do you suppose they told her that? Ian? <laughs> Because if they had a polygraph test, then they'd have to say, oh, yeah, well, she even had a polygraph test and it came out positive, and they still haven't talked to these guys, and they haven't suspended them. Right. The incident unfolded just after 7 p.m. on December the 22nd. Shutter said she'd just finished some last-minute holiday shopping and became confused as she drove through the West Hill looking for a friend she'd agreed to pick up that night. Shutter was behind the wheel of a friend's rented car, and she said the police car. Uh, she saw the police car drive past her twice before the stop. The officer checking her out. Yep, the officer at her window grilled her about drug use and hidden crack pipes. She said, "You fit the profile." The officer said, according to Shutter, "You're a white girl in a rented car." She told there the officer go. she had no drugs and um, offered to take a breathalyzer test, but he declined to give one. She said. Didn't hear, see anything about alcohol, but you know, who, who knows? The officer then allegedly reached through the car window and plucked Shutter's cell phone from her lap. He scrolled through personal um, information on her phone, she said, asking questions about the private calls and someone named Mandy, whose name appeared on her contacts list. Mandy Buxton, 28, who is Shutter's friend since childhood, was at the home when her cell phone rang that night. The man calling identified himself as an Albany police officer and asked whether Shutter was supposed to be picking up Buxton that night. I said... What are you talking about? Buxton said. He said, you don't know what I'm talking about? Then he hung up and called right back, and no one answered. 
Uh, now I called right back. Excuse me. I called right back, and no one answered. Ordinarily, the police need a search warrant to seize or access someone's telephone. <laughs> I would imagine they do. Before it was over, Shutter was ordered to stand outside her vehicle with her hands on the trunk. One officer searched her body while a second scoured the inside of the car. They also dumped the contents of her purse and asked whether she'd been sent, sent, spent any money on crack because her wallet was empty. Shutter <laughs> said Jeez. she never consented to a search of her vehicle her telephone, or her body. She said she pleaded with the officers who allegedly slid his hand down the back of her jeans and inside her underwear to stop. I kept saying it over and over again. If you have to search me, can you bring me to the precinct, Shutter said. A female officer was called to the scene and informed Shutter she was there to search her body. Shutter said the female officer patted her down, lifted uh, Shutter's sweater and felt uh, along her bra strap and made Shutter open her mouth and lift her tongue. No reason was given. So the, the violation police, happened before the female officer arrived. Right. The police found no drugs or other evidence of criminal, One of the violations. Crim, criminal wrongdoing before allowing Shutter back in her car. He said, you're lucky, and I better not drive, um, see you driving around here again, Shutter said. Shutter um, said Feelings that, mutual. Yeah. Her Buxton and her father, minutes later, um, cry, called Buxton and her father, minutes later crying hysterically, they said. Shutter's mother, Sherry, characterized her daughter's encounter with the police as a life-changing nightmare at the hands of the Albany Police Department. Yeah, it'll change your life, especially if you thought the police were there to keep you safe. Yeah. It'll change the way you view the entire world of this government that we have. It's like one of those fingermen from V from Vendetta, you know? Fingermen. Is that a joke? No, fingermen. Right. From the the hand or whatever. Okay. Um, Our uh, daughter did not deserve to be so grossly violated, and I want the officers to comprehend and be held accountable for violating our child, she said. Yeah, good luck with that. Telling her that you did not deserve this. No, she didn't. Not at all. And I wish I could be less cynical about this. I wish I could say to this mother and this, you know, this young lady, I wish I could say, yes, everything's going to be fine. These, these awful men, these sick predators, will be treated as they should be treated. And they will, be, uh, you know, they will pay restitution. They will get in big trouble for this. I wish I could say that, but I know better. I know better because I've heard so many stories. So many stories over such a long period of time, and this is so typical. It's so typical, and it's so sad. You look at this story, and you think, gosh, wouldn't they care? Wouldn't they care, especially in a case where a woman was violated? Wouldn't that just mean that the cops would take a little bit of extra time and really investigate this situation and, and take this seriously? But no. It's, it's just the same old situation with the thin blue line wrapping itself around one of its members that's being threatened, or in this case, a couple of its uh, of its own. The good old boy system is in effect, and these boys, they haven't even been questioned yet. You can better believe that nothing worse than a suspension with pay is going to result from this situation. You know, and 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 this is the sort of this is the sort of case that uh, police get into policing for. Now, if if it wasn't a guy in uniform to and, stop the bad guys, right? To really go after these are the kind of bad guys they want to get. But it seems that when these kind of incidents um, happen inside the department, that's when everybody gets amnesia about why the hell they got into uh, you know, fighting crime in the first place. Well, and I think that's because... I think that's because the people that claim the po- the police are 90% good and there's only a few bad apples are liars. And that's because, or I think what all this is about, is that most of the people in the police department are bad to the core. No, I, I'll, I'll tell the you way, my explanation of that. More on the way, hour two's coming up, and there's another story out of Al- Albany, just by coincidence, it's Free Talk Live. You take control. 
It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. Free Talk Live. You can take control, bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. Enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We're going to continue the police discussion here in a moment, but I have to apologize to Dave in Ohio. I just forgot about you, man. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Dave in Ohio? Going once? Uh, he'll teach you. He was there. Shame Ignore, on me. Ignoring your callers. Well, maybe he's still there. We'll try him back in a little bit. All right. So, 1-800-259-9231. Uh, we are talking about a story out of Albany, New York, and uh, involving some really just corrupt, shifty, awful activities on the part of the police department there. And I do mean the police department. Pretty much uh, anybody that has been questioned or talked to about this case has been very conciliatory. They've been uh, trying to cover up as much as possible about what actually went on and uh, what the status of the investigation is, or when they have admitted what is going on with the status of the investigation, there's virtually no investigation that's actually occurring. Uh, and what happened was a woman was pulled over. That's sort of anonymous sources within the police department. Say that. Right, right. A woman was pulled over uh, and she was searched to the point where the police officer inserted his finger in her private area. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of the things that they did. They also took her cell phone and they uh, they paged through her private information without a warrant or anything like that. And it was just yet another awful example yeah. of police abuse now, that is not these, uncommon in this these country. Are the, these are the allegations against the police officers and it's, it's with internal investigations and there's supposed to be a citizen review board but apparently the internal investigations officer uh, told the uh, the victim, don't go to the citizens review board, we want to handle this uh, We ha- handle this in-house. And right, we'll do it to inter- internal sources uh, from the Times Union there in, um, in within the police department. In fact, the officers have not even been spoken to about this case. Right. So th- there's a total cover-up going on, and I had suggested... Looks that way. Before we went away to the news break there, I had suggested that I don't believe it. I don't believe it when certain cops or friends or family members of cops call in to say, oh, it's all right, I know these guys in the police department, they're good guys, 90% of these guys are good guys, there's only a few bad apples, and I said that's nonsense, because if that were the case, then there wouldn't be this massive cover-up going on, there would be some some level of uh, departmental concern uh, amongst a number of the, uh, the employees there. I'm not saying they're all bad, I just think it's reversed from what they claim. I think it's 10% is good and 90% is bad, but you disagreed with that. I, d- I, d- I think I do disagree with that. Now, I spent nine years in prison um, and therefore surrounded by law enforcement officers a great deal of that time. Now, one can say that they, uh, you know, a prison guard would act differently than a police officer, but I really don't think so. I think that uh, both of them consider themselves to be surrounded by the bad guys all the time, and they sort of get this us-and-them mentality to some extent. And um, it, it sort of the upper ranks, you know, foster this. You uh, do whatever it takes to get the um, to get the bad guy kind of attitude. But 
my personal experience when dealing with these people is about a 25% of them, and, and you know more so in the higher ranks maybe, um, 25% of them were, were bad guys that were just, you know, they, they do what it takes and, and hurt who it, um, whoever they had to hurt in order to get what they wanted and lie about it and all that other stuff. That the 50% um, were sort of the, you know, just people coming to do a job. Mm. And they're not going to buck the system too much, uh, the system being sort of us well, against I'm, them. As far as I'm concerned, those people qualify as bad. You because said bad you to the bad core. Things, that okay, was the ta- fine. That was the terminology What you I meant used. was bad to the core as in the entire department is rotten. That's what I meant when I said that. Well, you know, I just like to hold, I just like to be as, as clear as possible on this issue because it, it, as far as I am not a cop basher, I like it when they do their jobs. I like them. I, you know, I wave at them when I drive down the street. I like these guys. The problem here in the story is that the good guys, if there are any good guys in the Albany Police Department, are the ones with the anonymous information. They're the ones anonymously telling people, here's what's really going sure, and on. And they're scared. Right. So that's about as good as it gets. Nobody's sticking their neck out for anything in this particular case. In, in, in so many cases that we've read if, uh, over the years. If one of those cops did stick their neck out in order to uh, say what was going for. on. Yeah, they're, they're gone. That's the only time they're going to stick their neck and out. The reason that's for that, how that crap works. And the reason for that, and the reason it works that way, is because the worst of the worst... Advance to the highest levels in the police. It seems to be that way. That's not just speculation on my part. That's what actual cops who've called this show and talked to us about these issues have told us. The, just the way the system works is the most inept, the most corrupt, the dumbest are the ones that rise up through the ranks of the police. You know, I've got to say, I don't know about the dumbest. Um, I didn't see Yes, I didn't, because if you're well, threatened... It, it, uh, when my personal experience at the prison I was at for six and a half years or something like that was not that the dumbest rose through the ranks. I can tell you that there were some dumb ones at sort of the rank of sergeant, but once you got to ranks like uh, lieutenant and captain, I, I can tell you one of the me- the meanest men I have ever met in my life. You know, this this guy could have been working at a concentration camp at uh, Auschwitz or something like that. That guy was a captain. But I didn't dumb, mean to suggest oh I didn't no. mean to suggest they were all dumb or all inept or all. I I just said that generally those are the classes, the groups of people, the types of people that will rise through the ranks. Uh, you know, if if you've got a dumb dumb who's a sergeant and there's someone intelligent that's you know that has just gotten the gig. And by the way, there are lots of police departments that will rule you out. If you're going and applying for the job, you will be ruled out if your IQ tests above a certain level. Yeah. That happens. I can tell you that the, uh, the the law enforcement officers I worked with is that I would absolutely not consider the people that rose up through the ranks to be the dummies. Sure. I, I see where you're coming from on that, and you've got the experience. There's no doubt about it. Well, just but it, I, it's just one circumstance. It's all just anecdotal. Yeah. Right. But that, that's what I saw. So, uh, so anyway, what I was saying, though, is that, uh, the, you know, the people that are rising through the ranks are the ones that shouldn't be. They're the bad guys. And so they protect the other bad guys that are in there, and that's why you've got situations like this, where the I, entire I, department I, seems like it's, it's just, just lockstep right behind the baddies. I, I can see how that, uh, some of that happens, and, and certainly some of the, uh, the upper echelons are corrupt. But it just, That's why you me, see sheriffs getting busted for drug dealing. It's more about protectionism than anything. It's more about this team thing. So therefore, when bad ones do rise, and they absolutely do rise, they get protected all the time. And, um, you know, it seems like, you know, Nick said, and I, I have to agree with him, that uh, you're, you're talking, when it comes to the narcotic squad, that you're dealing with a lot larger percentages of, of the ones that are willing to do whatever it takes. Well, and even when they're not doing whatever it takes, I 
think their job is immoral. So I'm not really going to defend their actions as being good, even though I understand that there are people on their narcotics squad that feel that they're doing something good, and they feel that they're doing what they should be doing. But can't you say there's there's either they're doing it with integrity or they're not? You know, they, well, they're I not think, telling lies. They won't tell lies. They won't plant things on people. They won't violate um, you know the, the the constitutional rules that they're not supposed to violate. Those kind of things. Or they just will because they act, just because they're acting within the current legal constraints doesn't mean they're good or what they're doing is good. I think there's a I lot of KGB not- agents who acted with integrity when right. they were But when you're talking about people. KGB, who knows whether these are the good guys or the bad guys? What's the difference between the KGB and the CIA other than the country that they worked for? Not much. Neither right. one really, of them is constrained by... One's painted with this bad brush because our fiction novels are written around them being the bad guys and us being the good well, guys. The C- most Americans might think the CIA works for them, but it's pretty clear that the CIA works for itself sure. and it has engaged in illegal and absolutely immoral activity. So there isn't much of a difference between the KGB and the CIA, but I'm not going to make apologies for the CIA just because they're on our team, so to speak. Absolutely. But you use the KGB as an uh, example of bad people, and I'm, you know... <laughs> and the CIA. Yes. yes. I think there could be, quote-unquote, good KGB, KGB agents if they were doing their jobs and doing them with integrity. That's what but I would... the job yes, is what's bad. It's, it's a somewhat sliding scale when you're talking about... Yes, it's the job that's bad. Right, it's a somewhat job, sliding scale, but when, if you do it and do it with integrity, you don't tell lies, you follow the rules, all that other but stuff... But there's nothing good about that. That's like saying that well, the SS could have had some good I'll, guys see, as long as they not, followed all the I'm rules. There you go. That's the, that's the brush painting thing. You know, I don't know what the SS's rules you were. You can't do that job and be a good person. It's, it, you're corrupted right. on the inside. But I'm not trying to paint the general beat cop. I think there are general beat cops who got into the job. They didn't want to deal with busting people for pot. They Absolutely. actually try to do what they wanted to do, which is help people and protect them from actual crimes. I know those people exist. We've right. They're out there. But when it comes to narcotics officers and ATF, they're thugs. I'm with you 100% on that. 800-259-9231. You can take control. Bring up anything. That's not to say they can't be reformed. No. We've met them, too. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Get interactive. We've got over 325,000 posts, lots to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff, all on the BBS, the bulletin board system. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com uh, to have a good time. There's all kinds of stuff from serious to fun uh, you can discuss with our listeners at bbs.freetalklive.com. March 12th through the 15th is the 56th annual running of the Mobile 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida. The world's fastest sports cars will battle for 12 hours in the famous Sebring Road Course. For tickets and information, call 1-800-626-RACE, sebringraceaway.com. March 12th through the 15th, don't miss it, that's sebringraceway.com. Continuing the discussion about uh, the police and the corruption that is just uh, just systemic uh, amongst these police departments across the country. What brought this up was a case in Albany, but we were talking about how uh, some cops that are, for instance, on the, the vice squad or narcotics, they might believe that what they're doing is the right thing to do. 
they might have been told all of their lives that drugs are bad and so therefore arresting drug dealers and putting drug users in jail is a good thing. So it doesn't matter if what they believe, it doesn't matter if they believe that what they're doing is good. The fact is, objectively, what they're doing is wrong because it's hurting people who have not harmed another person. And so many of them may not be bad people, it's just that what they're doing are bad things. They're they're uh, engaging in actions that are wrong. And some of them do end up coming to those conclusions. And some of them do end up turning their lives around and rejecting their past and, and coming to uh, to understand that what they had done did hurt people. That they thought it was right at the time. That everyone told them they were doing the right thing. But in fact that what they were doing is wrong. And I, I know you didn't have a chance to get into that, Nick. Well, yeah, when I was comparing, I was making the comparison between specifically things like the narcotics squad and, say, the ATF and, you know, overseas internal police like the Stasi or the KGB. Um, And it's not a perfect comparison, but I was trying to, you know, make the moral uh, point that just because what they're doing may be legal, it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's right. And just because we're in America doesn't, that doesn't magically make everything the police do okay. Right, especially um, if it's the same thing the police do in the other countries that we said were wrong when the other countries did them. Right, exactly. Um, but the answer isn't to... A lot of Americans, when they hear that, are going to think I'm implying we should, you know, take all the cops and shoot them and throw them in a ditch. Because that's what most... A lot of Americans would assume you would do with the KGB or any organization mm-hmm. like that if they were in your country. Um, and that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting, though, is that you have to approach the police from the position that even though they're a police officer and what they're doing may be legal, according to the letter of the law, you think what they're doing is immoral. And I think the most uh, effective way that I've seen so far to do that is with other police officers, like Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which is such a wonderful group, and they deserve mentioning You know, every time we talk about this issue. Uh, leap.cc, L-E-A-P dot C-C is their website. And it is a group of mostly former officers, but there are some uh, some current officers that have had the courage, and it is courage that it takes uh, to join law enforcement against prohibition while you're a current officer because you end up getting uh, punished. You end up getting uh, retaliated against politically uh, inside the department that you work for if you do these things. I'd say there's a good chance that promotions are pretty much gone yeah. at that point. Well, the one guy we know, uh, Brad, he's been pretty much relegated to the night shift, which he likes. He likes being yeah, I, the overnight I shift. always thought that, my understanding was, what I've um, heard is that the night shift for cops is the way, the place to be. Uh, that's what all the action happens. Well, I don't know. You have to ask Brad about that. But anyway, uh, my point is that if cops are approaching cops and showing them, you know, I used to feel the way that you felt, the old feel-felt-found thing from sales we all learned when mm-hmm. we took <laughs> sales courses, uh, you know, I used to feel the way that you felt, and uh, then I found that what I was doing was wrong, that I was hurting the people that I had originally joined this organization to help. Uh, and another, uh, the, probably the greatest example of the, uh, you know, somebody who has really had a turnaround. And, and the stories from Leap, from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, are are so persuasive, and many of those people are also great examples. But my favorite example has to be Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com. His story is just so amazing, and, uh, you know, he used to be one of those corrupt drug cops, uh, just ruining hundreds and hundreds of people's lives over this insane war on drugs. 
getting high on the adrenaline rush of uh, you know looking for looking for drugs, trying to catch the bad guys. Yep. Supposedly. And you know who knows what else he what he's done. He certainly hinted at you know maybe taking people's money and taking drugs. I, I, I'm not going to put words into his mouth, but he was definitely one of the bad cops, right, at one time. But now he's definitely one of the good guys. There's no doubt about it. Uh, having spent a, a decent amount of time with him at uh, the recent Pork Fest, and also some of our uh, associates and friends, uh, Jason Osborne from SACL CAI, has, uh, has, he's now the producer of Barry's new video. Is that the ex- executive producer? Never get rated. I don't know if it's the executive producer, but producer meaning the guy with the money. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool because I watched uh, Never Get Rated, the, the kind of the, uh, the pre-cut version of it. And uh, it was cool seeing Jason's name come up as soon as the thing was over. Jason's name flashes on the screen. So anyway, Jason's the new John Hancock of the Liberty Movement. Anyway, Barry Cooper, he's got the credibility now that, uh, that, that proves that, that he's a good guy. And he's had that shift, and it was an amazing story because he harmed so many people, and now he's making amends for all the damage that he's done, as are many of the people in law enforcement against prohibition as well. So it's not like they just figured out they did something wrong and stopped doing it. They figured out they did something wrong, and now they're swinging the pendulum in the other direction because they probably feel so awful inside about the things that they did to innocent people that they're doing whatever they can. In the case of law enforcement against prohibition, it's going from, uh, from convention to convention, speaking to, uh, to different groups, including police officers, but also just uh, local groups like the Lions Club, for instance, and talking about why they are saying it's time to re-legalize drugs in, in prohibition. You've got Barry Cooper going out there putting out uh, instructional videos to help the uh, the people, the victims of the drug war. Right, to not get busted. Right, to help them not get busted so they save themselves the time and the hassle and the heartbreak the and the convictions and the loss of cash that uh, that all of those uh, you know busts result in. And now Barry's even going further. Not only that, he gets interviewed on uh, various different news shows. When, when his video came out, he made huge news because so many cops that were still operating under this paradigm that the war on drugs is a good thing were very upset. And so it made for some really interesting controversy. They had him on various TV shows. And he st- stands strong in the face of all kinds of accusations against his character, against his person, against his viewpoint. It's got to be tough. He's one of the most, uh, I think, eloquent and well-spoken defenders of liberty, at least on the, you know, the, uh, the, the world of the war on drugs. And now he's going even further. I mean, as though what he'd done... I th- I would say it was enough. He keeps going. Now he's got Never Get Raided coming out, which goes further than just protecting your average drug user. This is more intended at the business side of the equation. It's intended to help drug uh, marijuana growers stay safe. It's intended to help people that want to sell a little bit of marijuana stay safe. Uh, so really, if there was controversy before... When this video comes out, there's going to be an even bigger explosion of controversy as a result. And, of course, that means more people will discover the message of freedom when it comes to uh, allowing people to control their own bodies and make decisions for themselves. And I think Barry Cooper is doing amazing, amazing work as a result of his turnaround. So the more of these people we can turn around, the more Barry Coopers we're going to have, the more Brad Jardises we're going to have, more law enforcement against Prohibition members. So, yes, these people can be turned around. They can be rescued. They can find the truth. And when they do, boy, do they really act on it. It's been amazing watching him uh, work. More on the way. You can take control. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. Say cool, CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, they do include all kinds of different things, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Mention Jason Osborne from SACL CAI. We love SACL CAI. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. That's SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI. We found out last night that some of their employees are trained to just say no to police searches, which I was very impressed with. Uh, so we go to your phone calls here talking about the police and corruption and the fact that uh, many of these bad cops, so-called bad cops, are really just good guys doing what they think is right. And once they can understand that what they've been doing is wrong, they usually turn right back around and join the uh, join the side of good, our side, that is, and uh, really get active for the message of uh, truth and liberty and the message of repealing prohibition, as have the wonderful people at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, as has uh, Barry Cooper from Never Get Busted. We go to your phone calls. Let's talk to Kevin in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Kevin. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing this evening? What's on your mind? Um, well... I am enrolled in the White Earth Reservation, and within the last couple of years, it's been under some incredible uh, brain deadedness, I guess I could easily say it, that our tribal council has now currently given away jurisdiction to the police on the reservation. So now the county sheriff and the local city sheriffs can now come onto the reservation. And now, every year for the last four years, at our powwow, which is an annual gathering that we have, the police will give everybody a flyer that says, being here on the powwow grounds, you can and may be subjected to be searched. Wow. And so when you drive your vehicle into the powwow grounds, they will come up to you, pull out a clipboard, have you sign a consent form, and then they start doing the walk around with the dogs. Jeez. But, of course, as I told you before, since I carry around my handy-dandy little constitution, I immediately get into the mix, and I'll sit there, and I'll start screaming how this is a violation of not only our Fourth Amendment right, but is also our violation of freedom of religion. And these cops try to pull me along to the side, and they're like, come on, Kevin, let's talk about this. And it's like, no. So I will sit there. And tell people, I'm like, don't sign the paper, because if you sign the paper, then you're consenting to the search. And these people look at the cops in their black uniforms and with their sidearms, and they're like, well, do I have to sign the paper? And the cop won't say anything. Mm. And I'm like, no, you don't have to sign the paper. You can just leave. But if if I don't sign, they're going to hurt me. Right, exactly. And I'm like, there's nothing they can do. And then one of the gentlemen, because I actually talked to one guy because I saw him him putting pen to paper, and I rushed up there immediately, and I'm like, look, you don't have to sign this. This is a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights. Just 
if you got anything, go home, get rid of it, and come on back. But they're still violating us. And the reason I bring this up is it's that peer pressure because they have those new junior cops, mm. you know, where they're trying to like – The trainee uh, cops, you mean? Yeah. Right, the trainee cops. And so they just sit there along and they watch this violation and then they learn that it's okay to violate. Sure. And so now the cops on the reservation have gone aboard with the Gestapo. We've had an incident where a woman was pulled over and tasered in her private parts because she wouldn't uh, – the cop was trying to get some sexual favors from her. Goodness. And he, she fought her. And because this cop is related to someone on the tribal council – it got brushed under the rug, <laughs> and they're still trying to pursue it. <laughs> Sad but, stories. I mean, it's everywhere, and, and the reservation is supposed to be sovereign, and they're supposed to be a free state. Yeah, why did they give up the, uh, the, 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 their control to the police um, in town? Well, ironically enough, out of our, on our tribal council, we have a chairperson, and then we have uh, four tribal members. And the chairperson happens to be a Christian. Strange. Explain to me how a so-called devout Christian can be the chairperson for a Native American reservation. Seems very odd. Are they elected in any way? Well, they they are elected, but then this goes through the whole uh, 500 years of Baton being beaten down and giving up your freedom of religion and freedom of rights and practice. And so now they, I mean, even if you look at the whole chief, the word chief was a American word or an English word mm-hmm. given to a Native American that would do what they wanted them to do. Really? So, like, so if you were willing to go along... Vichy with Indians. What the, what the, the, well, Indians is what the, the... Indians is what America wants to call us. We're Native Americans. Right, well, I said Vichy Indians. That would, that's... Right, <laughs> beads, not feathers. But... Uh, they what would, the hell's uh, a Vichy Indian? Mark? Vichy Indians are the like the Indians that worked with the white guys, from what I understand. Yeah, like Vichy like the France. Uncle Tom's. Well, oh, right, right. Vichy France right. worked with the Nazis. They were collaborators. <laughs> yeah, and and so once they found that one Native American that had some status that would follow along with the dominant society, they would say he's now a chief, and it may not be blood blood chief or even clan ancestral chief. But it would be someone that would be more willing to relinquish our rights. Sure. And, well, and then I imagine what they would do is they would then shower him with uh, benefits and perks right. Uh, right. for l- relinquishing your rights, so therefore creating that sort of elite class amongst right. the Indians. So he looked right. like a chief. The first thing they gave him were these huge gold medallions. It was like a medal that they wore around their neck, mm-hmm. and it was these big silver or bronze or gold medallions, and then they were called chiefs. And Kevin, keep up the good work out there and keep standing up for, uh, for liberty. It sounds like you're one of the only people doing it, and uh, a little bit of activism does go a long way. Thank you for the call tonight. You bet. Have a good night, Yes, guys. sir. 1-800-259-9231. Sometimes just that one person, sometimes just that single individual standing up against the system can encourage others to do the same. And that's what he was talking about doing, is encouraging people to not sign away their rights. Just as we encourage people to, uh, to, you know, don't consent to the search. Or as Barry Cooper now says, if you're at home, don't even answer the door. If the cops come to your door, the hell do you want to talk to them for? They're just looking for a reason to arrest you or somebody else nearby. Don't even answer it. 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to David in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, David. David? 
Montana. Uh, the drug the drug war will never end because there's way too much money being made on both sides of the fence, and there's way too many important people playing both sides. But prohibition, I mean, alcohol prohibition came to an end. The way we got to do it is through the jury, and we all have to want to be on a jury, but Mm. everybody tries to avoid being on a jury. And then we end up with just government employees on the juries. Or a bunch of know-nothings. And they always side with the government. We, the people, got to get back involved with the jury nullification because that's what happened in the prohibition. Absolutely. We had the jury standing up to the judge and saying, this is wrong. And, and But everybody avoids wanting to go to the jury because... It's going to interfere with their little lifestyle and everything, but yet they they are in involved in in this corruption because of their their blindness to to their responsibility to be involved into the judicial system. I think it's an excellent approach, Dave. Thank you for the call. Combining jury nullification with the actual cops themselves, the law enforcement against prohibition, those guys uh, educating the police. The jury nullification activists educating the jurors. I think it really would be a, a powerful combination. And I think we're getting to the point up here in New Hampshire where we're going to have enough activists to really do some consistent jury nullification outreach. More on the way about what that is, in case you don't know. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. The feature's for free. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us at store.freetalklive.com. We've got great Free Talk Live branded merchandise from hats to t-shirts to hoodies. Also, Free Marketeer logo products, including the Free Marketeer flag and t-shirt. That's an original design created by our graphic uh, guru, Johnson, and also store manager. Uh, You can go there, store.freetalklive.com. Load up your shopping cart and get some great Free Talk Live swag. Store.freetalklive.com. Real quick, just a quick explanation. Nick, how would you describe... Jury nullification, for those that are not aware. Um, Jury nullification is basically the idea, and it it has a long history in the U.S. and before that, um, the idea that the jury in the jury trial can rule not only on the facts of the case, as as you'll hear on, you know, court TV dramas, Mm -hmm. uh, but can also rule, uh, they can vote not guilty, basically, um, if they believe that the law is unjustified or immoral or unconstitutional. And this is the they used work. to tell you that in court too, right? You were able Way to rule back. on on the law itself, and as some well judges, as the if, facts you, of if the you case. mention it during the the trial now, will say yes, that's true. Some judges will uh, get very throw upset. everything out, right? So, but it is still there's nothing illegal about jury nullification. It's no. just it's very frowned upon by the judges and by the prosecutors because it throws a monkey wrench into their system, right? And that that is how alcohol prohibition a lot of what helped overturn alcohol prohibition was the fact that it was hard to make the charges stick because so many juries were nullifying and just throwing out the cases. Wasn't it similar with slavery as well? With uh, Didn't it help to end slavery? There or? were some fugitive slave trials that that um, in the north where, where slaves had run up here and um, northerners had helped shelter slaves to try to get them you know, to Canada or further north. And um, that was illegal because mm-hmm. you know, the federal government passed a law against it. But many Northerners were abolitionists. They felt slavery was immoral, and the law preventing helping fugitive slaves was immoral, and they ruled against that. And actually, the other major case was, uh, um, I, I forget the name of the case. I know we studied it in history, but it was before the revolution in the United States. 
um, there was a case about um, a printer who had printed seditious material criticizing the king, and um, a jury of his peers nullified the charges, saying that he had a a right to criticize the king, and that was a a very groundbreaking case at the time. So nullification even predates the American system. Oh, it does, yeah. It goes back into the, the English jury system. So the idea is that the jury was supposed to be the final check and balance on all of government's activities. The idea being that uh, the Founding Fathers, they knew that government people could make bad laws. And if you have this this mindset that the judges try to tell you the, the, the way the system works, they try to tell you that you have to judge based on the law and whether or not it was violated and the evidence uh, presented. But the fact is you can judge the law itself, and the reason for that was because they knew that if bad laws were created, the juries would see that, and they'd say, what the hell is this? Not guilty. Drug prohibition? What? You want to put my friend in jail? Or this guy who's never harmed anybody else in jail for a, having a joint? Not guilty. The law is bad. That's the point behind jury nullification. Right, and and the argument some people make when they hear this is, oh, well, the juries will start just throwing out murder and rape charges. Because, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Because people just, they'll want to, you know, throw out all the laws. Yeah, because juries are just notoriously want to see murderers and rapists get off. Right. No. No, <laughs> no nobody, nobody feels that way, and that's one of the reasons a jury system makes sense, because... By the same token that you can overrule the bad laws, the, rule, the laws that you can't get 12 people to agree on, um, it, when you get 12 people to agree on a law, it's something that's probably always going to be a law, or, or very often, um, if they're aware of their right to nullify. So the idea is to make people aware, help educate them as to the right to nullify on the jury. And that's the whole point of doing jury nullification outreach. And it usually, I think, the probably the most effective way to do it is to literally stand in front of the courthouse when it's time for them to pick a jury and hand people information right there and then about jury nullification so they can get educated prior to actually serving on a jury. But if they're go- if you get called to jury duty and you want to nullify, don't do your activism then. If you want yeah, to get on the idea. jury and have the opportunity, and you never know what you're not necessarily sure what case you're going to get when you walk in the door. So it could turn out to be an assault charge or you know something where you're not going to nullify because right. it might be a real crime. But if you More wa- often than not, though, it's, it's going to be a vice case of yeah. some sort. So, but when you walk in the door to the point where you, decide, you figure out whether you're on the jury or not, don't mention jury nullification to the judge or to other members. Just don't mention it. Let's go to the phone calls. To the amp line, it's Rob in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I wanted to talk about uh, Mark talking about earlier um, about, you know, cops and such being good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of my take on that is that there's a difference, in this way I've, I've heard it framed many times, between uh, morality and ethics. In the sense that when Mark is talking about these guys are good guys, he just means they're rule followers. That's not the same thing as being a moral person by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, that simply means that you are internally consistent. Um, I think that goes a long way towards bo- being moral. Con- internally consistent, people will look at as some level of morality. It's e- well, at least ethically. I, I, I think I think that internally cons- the, way, the way I look at it, and you know, I look at things from kind of more religious sort of ways. I look at it as being a person who is more redeemable than another. A person who is ethical is far more redeemable than a person who is simply immoral. Um, so if someone, we do have someone who consistently follows a code, even if it's the wrong code, that sort of person, you 
generally speaking, can have some opportunity to turn them around if you can initiate some person-to-person contact and get get some degree of uh, camaraderie with them and some emotional contact. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who is simply immoral, you got a lot. They, they, they generally speaking, have to have some sort of real epiphany in their lives. Yeah, they are um, the true antisocials, the, uh, the true psychotics. Yes, and, and and in fact, I look at I look at I look at the, the the current situation very similar to slavery. I mean, do you think that people thought that slave owners were just horrible ogres who just preyed on people? These were not good guys by my standard, by any stretch. But it's not like the people who they knew every day just considered them to be just the most wicked of human beings. No, the people that weren't their <laughs> slaves, the other, the other just regular folk, probably just considered them their good neighbors or the the people that uh, that were in their family, and they just they were probably treated well by them, and so Absolutely. they didn't really see them that way. Yes, and I, and I look at a guy like Barry Cooper in a way very similar to say a guy like John Newton. Now John Newton owned a slave ship. He had an epiphany at sea, converted to Christianity, and he is most famous for writing the song Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Amazing now, Grace was written by a white guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> a white guy that owned a slave ship. <sighs> yes, yes, an English guy. So, so we're talking, So, and, and now that changed his life, turned it around, he became an abolitionist. And mm-hmm. uh, he was a, a friend of... Um, I can't remember, William Wilberforce, who the movie Amazing Grace is actually about William Wilberforce, who was most instrumental in ending Britain's um, slave trade and just about anybody else. Uh, But I look at these sort of things as being very similar to that, that you have a prevailing moral theory which, which has caused people who are ethical and who have all kinds of potential to be as moral as they want to be, they have a different set of rules which they have accepted. You know, so a lot of what you're trying to do ends up having to be to adjust those rules. And you can it's much more efficient in my mind to spend your time working on people who are already ethical to adjust their thinking about the rules than it is to try to convert someone who is immoral. Because I don't believe that, you know, an immoral person, they have to have some sort of internal change within themselves. It has to be, I believe it really does have to be something like an epiphany. Yeah. An ethical person if they see the flaw in their logic where they can actually correct it based upon simple knowledge. I don't believe that an immoral person can correct their error based simply upon knowledge. It's an excellent point. I don't know. Um, Speaking from being a pretty, uh, you know, being an immoral person and certainly spending a lot of time around immoral people, um, you know, and I judge myself pretty harshly, you know, there there was a time in my life when I'd steal in order to get what I wanted. Then I realized, you know, just through, sort of through knowledge, that stealing doesn't work. You're not going to get what you want by stealing because you're going to get caught now and then, or people are going to suspect you, and that's going to work against you, uh, you know, seriously work against you. You wouldn't describe that as an epiphany. You would just describe that I'd as... say that's just pragmatism, not morality. Yeah. Right. There you go. But you didn't stop stealing because you, you already knew stealing was wrong, correct, when you were stealing? What I'm telling you, Nick, is if I stole something from you, you may not be able to prove it, but you might suspect me. And... I, I I can't work that way with people I know, but, um, and, and being around them, it's it's it just it simply doesn't work. Right. I I understand that that's why you stopped, but you didn't necessarily stop just because it was wrong. If you felt you could steal and get away with it, you might have kept doing I, it. I right? really couldn't tell you. I can tell you it doesn't work. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Rob, any final thoughts? 
Those are some good points. I, I definitely have to take that into consideration. Very good, sir. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show, and it is Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is coming up. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll free. It's rolling to hour number three. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Our website is freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so do enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Because I mentioned it, not because we want to harp on this police thing, but because I mentioned it, and we'll get to the money tips here in a moment. Uh, here's the story from Albany. Another story from Albany involving cops out of control. Two years ago, this from timesunion.com, Tund, T-U-N-D-E, Tundy, Tund, Tund Clement, stepped off a bus at the city's main terminal downtown. Clement, a black man, was carrying a backpack and coming from New York City. That may have been enough to pique the interest of undercover sheriff's investigators scanning the crowd with their eyes. They cornered Clement and began peppering him with questions. He was quickly handcuffed and falsely arrested. He was then taken to a, uh, the station to be strip-searched and then to a hospital where doctors forcibly sedated him with a cocktail of powerful drugs, including one that clouded his memory of the incident. Good Lord. A camera was inserted in his rectum. He was forced to vomit, and his, uh, and his blood and urine were tested for drugs and alcohol. Scans of his digestive... <laughs> yes, this is This nuts. guy hasn't been charged with anything? <laughs> Scans of his digestive system were performed using x-ray machines, according to hospital records obtained by the Times Union. The search, conducted without a search warrant, came up empty. So, in all, Clement spent more than 10 hours in custody before being released with nothing more... Lucky him, because they could have just, you know, said that they came up with something. Well, he, uh, they, they found nothing more, or they gave him, rather, nothing more than an appearance ticket for resisting arrest, a charge that was later dismissed. For years, the Albany County Sheriff's Department's controversial tactics at the downtown bus depot have drawn harsh criticism for, from defense attorneys and civil rights advocates. Seven years ago, the state's highest court issued a searing rebuke of their methods while overturning the conviction of a passenger who'd been carrying three ounces of cocaine. The Court of Appeals said it was improper for the investigators to board buses from New York, uh, New York City and flash their badges, waiting for passengers to react. The operations have continued and have been mostly successful from the department's perspective, but not always. An arrest two years ago involving a man found with a kilo of cocaine in his backpack was subsequently thrown out by an Albany County judge who ruled the cops had no legitimate reason to approach and question the man. Well, now, that that's interesting because the cops have always got a... They don't have to have a reason to question you. So I'm surprised the judge ruled in that way. Cops can, can approach you at any time. It's called a contact. They don't need a warrant, they don't need reasonable suspicion, they don't need probable cause. All they have to have is just, they don't like you, or for whatever reason, they're suspicious of you. But I believe all you have to do is identify yourself. I don't, you don't have to answer their questions. As I understand it, you don't have to do anything, but I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not But they can do this Terry Pat while they're talking to you, so at this point they've gotten your name and they felt you all over. Well, as I understand it, and law enforcement officers that might be listening can call in and really give us the scoop... But as I understand it, if a cop approaches you on the street, you can pretend like he is not there and just walk the other yeah. way. I thought you had to have 
probable cause or at least reasonable suspicion for a Terry Pat. I don't think they can just walk up to you and say, halt, and then do it. If you let them do it, I just walk away and be like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know what uh, the actual... Terry Pats may only be legitimate in a vehicle pullover. I'm not sure. That's another question for a law enforcement officer. Because the idea there is the cop can Terry Pat you if he suspects you might have a a weapon on you. But why a vehicle pullover? I don't know, Mark. Would love to have uh, Leo call in on this one. Anyway, so... uh, so the Albany County judge threw out uh, one particular case where he said the cops had no reason to approach and question a man. During the hearing that led to that dismissal, the defendant's attorney accused the sheriff's investigator of lying and embellishing his testimony by using precise language. He said, I sensed criminality was afoot, directly from the Court of Appeals ruling, according to a court transcript. Kinlan, an Albany defense attorney since the early 70s, says the bus station searches have endured no matter what courts have decided since the early 1980s. Isn't that interesting? The courts have ruled that this is not something they should be doing, but yet they keep doing it. Why is it that nothing happens as a result of this? I mean, the courts have made it pretty clear, but the cops keep doing it. Nothing happens. It's apparently been going on for decades at the Albany bus station. Why is that? Well, who's going to enforce it? The cops. Right. The same department well, that was ruled against? You do have recourse when you go to court if the search was something that the, the courts have ruled against, and you can cite that as precedent. But how many people go to court? Well, that's probably the problem. Is, right. is one case is, okay, well, if these people fight this in court, it'll get thrown out. But how many of these guys are going to plea once we find the drugs on them? 90%, 95%? Probably 95, 99%. I'd love to see the statistics on that. How many drug offenders... When they uh, were given the opportunity to take a plea bargain or take it to court, take the plea. And that's not just drugs. That's everything. Large. Yeah, that's true. Donnelly and I were uh, 20 years ago, excuse me, says, uh, says the defense attorney, they hired a private investigator to stake out the bus station and monitor the detectives working there. The two attorneys, or uh, the, uh, the, the people that were doing the investigating, were hearing that just about every black man who came through the bus station was literally being grabbed and dragged into the men's room and searched. Occasionally, of course, they would get lucky and find some drugs, but the vast, overwhelming majority of black men searched were clean. At the time, the bus station details... By the way, black people don't use drugs any more than white people. Sorry, that's not true. Black people get arrested for drugs more often than white people because of cops like this. Because of racist cops that target black people, or in some cases Hispanics, depending on where you live, but target people of a different color than them. That's why they get arrested in higher numbers, because of crap like this. Anyway, at that time, the bus station details were being manned by the Albany Police Department, which later discontinued the practice. Sheriff's Inspector, uh, a longtime vice detective, took over the bus operation, blah 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 uh, Burke, who runs the Sheriff's Drug Interdiction Unit, said investigators need a reasonable suspicion to stop and frisk someone. That could be something as subtle as a passenger walking out an entrance door. <laughs> what? leaving a bag unattended or going into a bathroom stall and not pulling down his or her pants. It's not profiling, said Burke. What if they only pro- pull them down, like, partially? You know, they, some people are weird about bathrooms. They don't That's want true. people to actually think that they're, you know, doing something in there, so they'll, they'll, they'll try to, you know, hide what it is they're doing. Or maybe you don't want your pants to touch the nasty old floor. There, there you go. He says it's not profiling. We look for indicators. Records show many people arrested when by... When I was younger, I didn't want to make any noise in the bathroom. 
I've just been embarrassed. Sheriff's investigators are minorities, including four people arrested uh, last year. Yet in the case of Tund, Clement is no is like no other on record and raises questions about how many liberties the drug investigators are taking with suspects they handcuff. Clement, who is a convicted drug dealer with a lengthy criminal record, is serving time in state prison for a separate offense. He's filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against the Sheriff's Department and the Albany Medical Center Hospital. He claims that when officials strapped him down and injected him with drugs against his will and with no medical need or emergency, he was a victim of assault and battery. His rights under the First, Fourth, and Fourteenth Amendments were also violated, according to a federal complaint filed by his attorney. The allegations come at a time when Burke's Drug Interdiction Unit was recently accused by an Albany detective of being negligent, reckless, and poorly supervised. The detective's thumb was shot off by a sheriff's investigator during a bungled raid, drug raid, last summer, and his career is in question. An internal affairs investigation of the incident reached the same conclusion about the unit's poor supervision and recommended discipline against Burke and the other members of his unit, according to confidential sources. So, the internal affairs investigation even found that this this drug interdiction squad is just awful and uh, really needs some serious discipline. What do you think happened? Mm, nothing. Nothing. No action was taken. For reasons never outlined in court records, Burke's investigators zeroed in on Clement that Monday morning. They cut him off and started asking questions as he tried to exit the bus terminal. Clement, whose criminal record consists mostly of drug convictions, tried to brush past. He told cops he didn't have to answer questions. And he is correct. They pushed him against a wall, frisked him, searched his backpack, and charged Clement with resisting arrest after finding no drugs or weapons. Show records. Under the law, the sheriff's investigators needed reasonable suspicion to stop Clement that day. They also needed to charge him with more than just resisting arrest, which requires a person to commit some other underlying crime. You have to be being arrested for something to resist the arrest. Makes sense. (laughs) Their mistake would lead a city court judge to throw out the misdemeanor charge nine months later. Which, by the way, cops make mistakes all the time. And this is yet another reason why people who are facing drug possession charges, for instance, should seriously consider challenging it, should consider taking it to trial. The number one reason is because if everybody took them to trial, the system would crash. They wouldn't be able to handle all the cases. But the second reason is the cops blow it. Sometimes they don't cross the right T's and dot the right I's, and the whole case can be thrown out as as a result of that. But if you don't take it to court, you'll never know. More on the way. You can take control of the rest of this story, this tragic situation in Albany. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features for free. So enjoy those, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just grab them right off the front page of the website, free at freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. Continuing the story here of uh, just an awful situation, another one out of Albany. We've had two of them tonight just because, well, (laughs) apparently there's a lot of uh, corrupt cops in uh, the Albany area. But these things can happen anywhere, and these stories typically do happen but normally they don't actually make it out uh, into the public view. A lot of the uh, the police corruption and harassment of innocent people that you see and uh, nonviolent folks, it goes unsung. 
because many of these people they get arrested they don't want it to you know they don't want to make a big stink about it they just want to shove it under the rug and forget about it and you know pay the fine plead out and move on with their lives so there are a lot of cases that are probably similar to this man's case uh though this is certainly taking it to an extreme uh, just to just so you know this isn't that unusual it's just he's actually suing the cops so that's why a lot of this information is coming out. What happened was they were uh, they were observing the Greyhound bus station, apparently as they've done for decades, even though it has been ruled against in the courts. The courts have said you should not be doing this. This is wrong. Uh, they, can't, they continue to do it because no one's going to enforce on the government, except for the government, and the government doesn't enforce on itself. Not very well. So they pulled the, uh, they pulled the black gentleman as he was getting off the bus aside and uh, started asking him questions. He told them that he didn't have to answer their questions, which is when they shoved him up against a wall <laughs> and uh, started searching him. They uh, apparently then charged him with resisting arrest, even though they weren't <laughs> arresting him for anything. He didn't go bounce hard enough when they shoved him against the wall. Yeah, and so that it was the fact that they charged them uh, charged him for resisting arrest that led a city court judge to throw out the misdemeanor charge nine months later. Minutes after being led from the bus station in handcuffs, Mr. Clement was taken to a sheriff's department holding cell in the bowels of the county's sprawling downtown judicial center. He was forced to strip naked, squat, and cough, as investigators wrongly concluded he was hiding drugs inside his body, according to a federal complaint. The investigators claimed to have seen something white protruding from Clement's rectum during a strip search, according to hospital records. But it's not clear why Clement, who was arrested for a misdemeanor, was strip-searched in the first place. Well, the reason why is because these cops are scum. So it was resisting arrest, for no, but they were only arrested him for nothing. Right. Upstairs in the county judicial center was mid-morning on a Monday, and a smattering of judges were on the bench in their chambers, available at a moment's notice to consider any search warrant applications, yet a request was never made. Instead, just before noon, Clement, fully shackled and still in custody for a minor offense, shuffled into Albany Medical Center Hospital with a phalanx of cops at his side. Hospital records show. He was locked in a gurney and listened anxiously as a group of doctors and nurses debated the cops' request to have Clement forcibly sedated so his body could be searched for drugs. The doctors asked Clement to sign a consent form. Sometimes people die from being sedated. But he refused to sign the consent form. Good for him. The medical doctors show one of the do- or the medical records show one of the doctors placed a call to the hospital's risk management director to assess the liability exposure of what they were about to do. Now, just as an aside, we've talked quite a bit in the past about authority and obedience to it uh, and how it affects people. How somebody standing there with a badge and a uniform and a, an authoritative Saying, demeanor do this. right, can affect people. In this case, what is it that doctors swear? Uh, don't they have a Hippocratic oath? Do no harm. Do no harm. Hmm. Well, I, you tell me if you think the doctors violated their oath in this case. The medical records again show the doctors were uh, calling the risk management director. In some cases, prisoners or people under arrest can be forcibly sedated without a court order if they're in imminent danger, such as when a bag of drugs bursts open inside them and they begin to have a seizure or fall unconscious. But the hospital's records indicate that Clement was behaving normally and showed no signs of any medical emergency. Spoke to Shirley of risk management, a physician wrote, documenting the medical decision, okay to treat, sedate, and remove foreign object body against patient's will despite his personal refusal. The following month, Clement received a $6,792 bill from Albany Medical for the procedures. <laughs> hospital That's ridiculous. Hospital records indicate the final, diag- final diagnosis as hemorrhoids. 
A spokeswoman for Albany Medical Center declined to comment two weeks ago on its policies regarding forcible sedations. The spokeswoman also declined to comment on why the hospital didn't require police to obtain a search, obtain a search warrant that day. Nationwide evidence obtained during forcible sedations of people by medical facilities has been challenged in various courts, but most of those cases uh, involved in instances where police had search warrants. So in this case, I mean, this is just an, just one of the most outrageous cases of all time. Uh, Elmer, yeah, yeah, it sounds pretty outrageous. Elmer he Streeter. He didn't sue the hospital? Yeah, I'm not sure about I that. I think the, getting the bill in the mail would probably push me over the edge just to sue them out of spite. He might have. I I might have read it and not really internalized that. Uh, Elmer Streeter, a spokesman for the hospital, said the hospital considers a patient's... This was a different hospital. Said the hospital considers a patient's ability to give consent paramount. He said there's some leeway given to doctors, and the leeway is, again, what is a potential harm to the patient. It doesn't seem that with a conscious and alert patient that people could take action without the patient's consent. If a court order were to exist, that might force us to override it. While Clement's case is arguably one of the more egregious on record, Kinlan said there are examples of civil rights violations at the bus station that date back for decades. In 1992, he represented a Boston man who won a $200,000 verdict against the Albany police after he was roughed up and falsely arrested during a bus station stop. If the cops do a bad search... See, $200,000, it's chump change. That what they right. what these what the rulings are against the government. If it was Coca Cola, if it was McDonald's, if it was one of these large corporations that roughed somebody up at the bus stop, oh my God, we'd come oh, down the on them. McDonald's, we'd come on down, come down on them like the hammer of God. Well, McDonald's got what a million dollar lawsuit slapped against them for their coffee right. being too hot. That, yeah. that was overturned, but yeah, right. But I mean, they got slapped with the suit, and yeah, you know. yeah. And, and but the, these are the kind of those are the kind of uh, verdicts the juries come up with in the case of big corporations. But somehow the government manages to slide by. And if this next quote from the from the, one of the lawyers doesn't really sum it up, I don't know what does. He says, if the cops do a bad search and find nothing, there's usually no legal consequence. Any such victim is usually just glad to get away with his skin still on. Mm. If the cops find drugs... And those are the kind of people that they, uh, that, that they target, too. Those are the kind of people that would be happy to just get away from the cops. Here's the rest of the quote. If the cops find drugs, since the penalties are so severe, the defendant is almost always eager to make a deal, to take the plea bargain, he said. The cops realize very quickly they can get away with anything they want. And boy, do they ever. 1-800-259-9231. Your reactions, uh, your thoughts. We continue with your phone calls. Let's talk to James in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, James. James, New York. Coming on this situation, New Albany. I know somewhat the area. I live downstate, but I have daughters that live up there. Mm-hmm. And I think this whole thing has a common denominator. I've been listening to what other people have said. I'm 59 years old, and I've been around. I've lived in Manhattan. I've seen like a... Uh, for, for instance, like the movie American Gangster or, uh, or Air America, Mel Gibson. And there's, I mean, it's Hollywood, but there's a strong element of truth in uh, these type of films. Or what, what in reality goes on and what the average uh, well-meaning citizen thinks goes on. Okay. Yep. And, They're two uh, totally but, different things, and I'll let you continue in a moment. Hang on. 800-259-9231. The Gord Captain's on the line as well. We'll talk to you about whatever's on your mind, even in these remaining moments. We'll save the money thing for tomorrow night because we probably can't get through that in a segment. Uh, more on the way. You can take control. Still plenty of time for your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. 
help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything, the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. And that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The wiki's there. We've got over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. You can edit the wiki to your heart's content. It's free. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. If you haven't got a will, you're subjecting your uh, your family and your loved ones to all kinds of arduous stuff that they have to deal with with the government. You need to have a will. If you've got anything, if you own a home, or you know, own if the bank owns the home and you pay them on a monthly basis for it, that's owning a home. If you own a home, your family need, you need a will to protect your family. So go to legalzoom.com. You can make uh, legal documents reliable, legal documents fast and easily. Um, you can do it in minutes, LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL and you save 10 bucks. I did it. It was fast and easy. They aren't kidding you. 1-800-259-9231. All right, back to the phone calls. James was on the line and I believe still is in New York. Uh, you were telling us about the situation there because we've been actually talking, kind of focusing in on the police corruption specifically in New York. But, of course, we are aware these things are going on across the country. So don't well, think it's that... Not just, hmm? your partners, it's not just... Uh, to me, the common denominator is uh, is a more on the ethical one. Okay, uh, I've been around long enough on the planet, and, and what I feel, whether it be uh, the medical industry, whether it be uh, the banking, you know, Wall Street, we see scandals all the time. Uh, it, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if you're a police officer, whether it be in Albany or whatever part of the country you work, that if one of those guys, by some stroke, you know, freak accident, his daughter and or wife. Some guy decided to practice gynecology uh, on the street on his wife. He might not. He'd be pretty upset. So he he doesn't have to be the, the sharpest pencil in the box to understand that. If in fact these two fellows did do this thing, okay, let's give them the benefit of that. I'll give them. I will anyway, until we're proven guilty. But it seems pretty reasonable so far that they probably just did, did take place. But, but the problem but, is, they won't ever be proven guilty. Because the whole department is actively covering up the uh, the right. activity. You're right. I, I I agree with you. I agree with what you say. <laughs> and this happens. You know, this whole thing is like uh, if uh, anybody, like for for instance, in history, anybody that's familiar with the China tea ships. You know, there was, there was no tea in those ships. You know, as uh, many people know historically today, there was opium and things like this being carried. You know, mm-hmm. some tea in some of the ships and some weren't. So there's an drugs doesn't get into this country. Uh, by some uh, uh, petty anti-crack dealer in Auburn. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen that way. No, you've got to have assets. That you've got to have money, serious money, to bring uh, lots of drugs in the yes. country. Yes, and, 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 and I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of examples. And I, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time, but I mean, there's many examples of this happening. Uh, I think the police, they know where to go and where to stop, you know, who to, who to, who to deal with and who not to deal with, you know, depending on the... You know their knowledge of the of the subject matter. So the war on drugs to me is a big farce. Oh, absolutely, and it needs to end. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And the yeah, cops do know what they're doing. In fact, most of the time they get away with it, clean. They get away with it, and they just you know they run roughshod over people's lives. And as as the lawyer was saying in the article, most people are just they just feel relieved to get out of the system, and they're not interested in challenging right. anything. They just want to be left alone. Yeah, and yeah. I don't blame them for that. Well, you you see, like I'm sure you're familiar with the issue of the woman in Ohio. That was strip searched. Uh huh. Yep. All right. 
She that, called the cops. <laughs> That's what, what they did to her. I'm sorry? So that woman called the cops, by the way. I don't know if you knew no, that. I, I'm familiar with the, yeah. I, I've seen the thing on YouTube. Right. And uh, or down in Florida, the guy in the wheelchair. Right. With, with, you know, this, this, this attitude is prevalent, you know. Uh, with the police, you know, with the police and a lot of people in society, and it, uh, I think it all comes back to, uh, you know, uh, having some kind of morals and ethics that will prevent you, your conscience, from doing things like this. Say this is wrong. Now, if you're a police officer, let's go. I'll, go, I'll use another illustration. I'll stop. I'll stop talking. Like Serpico, the movie. You know, if, if, if you if you do the right thing, you'll wind up. Uh, uh, guarding the buoy in Sheep's Head Bay in Brooklyn. You've got it. That's yeah. what all the cops have told us. There's no doubt about it. Thank you for the call yeah, tonight. Yeah. We appreciate it, sir. 800-259-9231. Well, um, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier in the evening. Is sort of the, the dilemma between the morals and the ethics of the um, of the scenario. Uh, Rob brought it up earlier, and I, I think that it, it might be uh, true. Ethics is sort of consistency. Morality is sort of the right and wrong mm-hmm. of it. And you've got these, you know, the the cops that are hired to act ethically and to enforce laws immoral that are laws. immoral. Right. And that, that's going to confuse anyone. Yeah, it's a mess. You know, at that point, you're 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 enforcing immoral laws, but um, even if you're trying to do it ethically, you're doing the wrong thing. So therefore, you find that you want to get you want to get the guys that are perpetrating uh, the they're perpetrating the crimes, and uh, it's it's just confusing. But no there, cop should be there is a difference. Scenario. There is a difference between planting evidence on somebody and finding drugs on them. I mean, granted, what they're doing is immoral, the job that they're doing is immoral, but there are constraints on police officers in this country. They're supposed to have a reason to search you, not mm-hmm. just make up reasons. They're, they have to have a reason to detain you, not just trump up charges. So there, there are two levels to this, but you can... I'd rather have a cop that was going to treat me within the bounds of how he's supposed to treat me even if he's trying to find some reason to arrest me for something, than a cop who's just going to plant drugs just a rogue, in my pocket. A rogue yeah. cop. Yeah. yeah, so there's two levels here. They can be immoral and unethical, or immoral and ethical. Yep, and the whole system is just its just awful. Uh, and, it, you know, even though the rules are out there, it's, it's very clear they just aren't following them. And not only that, when they aren't following their own rules, the other people that are supposed to be whatever the checks and balance are, the judicial system, for instance, they aren't enforcing their own rules on the cops. Either that or there's no mechanism to do it. So, as they were saying, the cops in, in Albany have been enforcing against the rulings of the courts at that Greyhound station for decades, mm. and nothing can be done about it. So, again, the, we always come back to the question of, all right, well, you guys love to talk about all these bad cop stories. In fact, I got an email recently from somebody saying, well, or I think it was a post on the BBS, well, you know, you guys always talk about these bad cop stories. What are the solutions? And we've talked about the solutions before, and they always uh, are worth mentioning. My solution, of course, I mean, Mark's, I think your solution is to end the war on drugs. That would be a step in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't solve the problem. The first step would just be in the in the war on marijuana. But that's a good first step, as far as I'm concerned. But the whole thing's got to go. Right. As far as I'm concerned, uh, a person should be able to put in their body whatever they want. It's their body. Because right. because if you just end the war on marijuana, then all of a sudden, if you're a black person, then you're a sus- you're you're a coke suspect, right? Because yeah. it doesn't really change anything. Uh, so you have to change the system. You have to change the uh, the incentives. And the fact is, the way the system is constructed today. As the lawyer put it earlier, the cops know they can get away with anything, so or virtually anything, and they do. They try, and they get away with it most all of the time. 
And so what you need to do is you change the system to where it's no longer uh, – it, it's basically to where it's no longer the government police as we know them, where we go back to a peace officer situation, where the cops can't be out there enforcing laws that don't have anything to do with harming other people. If you've got – if the only crimes in society are crimes that involve damage to another person – to their body, right. to their property. People should be bringing charges against other people. That's how it was at one point, and that's the right way to do it. Um, the state shouldn't be bringing charges against people. That, that you're, you're talking about victimless crimes there. If there's no victim, there is no crime. Right, and it's actively out. It's agents. The state's agents are actively out looking for people to arrest them for victimless crimes, to put them in prison. I'm so not saying that everything that's done out there that doesn't result in a victim is a good thing. I'm absolutely not right. saying that. But I am telling you, I don't. I just it, if there's no victim, why are we putting people in prison? Right. So if there's no, if all we're doing is looking for real criminals, people hurting other people, then. Even if it were still the government police, even then it wouldn't attract the sadists like it does today. Because the police know they have the, the power, they know they have the ability to wield it over others, and so it attracts the wrong kind of people. And that's not to say there aren't good cops. There are. Some of them are good guys. But there are way too many bad guys out there, and it's because of the system and the incentives it creates. The best option, of course, would be to turn to free market pl- uh, the free marketplace for protection, where we can actually have the element of competition involved. Whereas if you have competition involved, and uh, people are actually free to hire the people they want to protect them, then that completely eliminates the problem with sadists. Completely eliminates the problem with sickos, because if you've got sick cops and bad guys, then they just stop, stop getting uh, their paychecks, because no one's going to buy their services. More on the way, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call. If you make it now, 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. The features we give away, and if you like the show and you want to help support us, then you can go shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You know you've got to do the shopping anyway, so get it done online and get a great deal. Get the brands you're looking for. Over 41 categories for you to shop in. Anything you purchase, Free Talk Live will get a cut. And that even includes used items. I mean, they've got it all at Amazon. New, used, furniture, electronics, I mean, books, you name it. They sell it and we'll get a cut if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. So consider that your personal portal for all your shopping needs. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We go to your phone calls and we'll give you an update on Real ID here in a moment. Let's talk to the Gord Captain in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, well, I'd probably buy more on Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. I've ever been getting kind of financial a bit boring lately because you spend all the time um, just justifying your beliefs. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, well, like, give us an example. Segment, we were just going over again. The whole, you know, not all cops are bad, but just... It doesn't get very fun after you've listened to it a dozen times or this, so. The problem with this, Gord Captain, is uh, we have two different types of audience um, out there. We have the podcast listeners, and we have the um, you know the regular radio listeners. And most radio listeners listen to a radio show 15 minutes. The, the, the rabid ones listen to an hour a day. Whereas podcast listeners and live listeners, those kind of people, the people, people that listen on their computers, they listen to all three hours, six days a week. And... You know, so we have to kind of balance these two. 
it, it, you know, when a radio listener gets on and they just hear us ra- railing on the cops and they're really pro cop, you know, it's not really fair to them to not make to not mention that. And so, are you complaining because we're talking about five seconds for us to to make that statement? So we do. What exactly? Wait, I, I missed it. What were you complaining about? Are you complaining because we're talking about bad cop stories, or because I mentioned that there are good cops out there? Nah, it's just that it just feels kind of repetitive. I think I just had more fun if I could find a podcast like this. I'm sorry. Yeah, just kind of being repetitive, listening to the same episode after episode. That's not what I called about. Well, what did you call about? Well, the Ohio primary took place today, and oddly enough, my parents, who are about as Republican as you can get, you know, mm-hmm. support the war on terror, um, war on drugs and stuff like that, voted for Ron Paul. They voted for Ron Paul? How'd... Because he was the only candidate they could vote for and not feel dirty if he got elected. <laughs> well... I, it's, it, McCain's gonna McCain's gonna make a lot of Republicans feel really bad about voting Republican this year. I I've got to say that, you know, I don't I I don't even know what I'm gonna do with the national election at this point. If um if Ron Paul is not the Republican nominee, and I don't think he's gonna be, and I don't think he's gonna run third party, and I don't think he's gonna run Libertarian, so I don't think he's gonna be on the ticket. Hey, Mark, you said all that stuff last week on this show. Oh, shut up. Thanks for the call, Gord Captain. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Just a quick news flash for those of you that uh, don't know much about this business and the uh, the world of radio. Fact is, the same topics come up again and again. Mm, I'm afraid they do. Uh, even if we didn't bring them up again and again, and it's always different. I mean, the, do you want us to come across a story about the cops, uh, you know, s- violating a woman's uh, I- internals? Do you, do you want us to come across that story and just ignore it? Because we've already done an anti-cop story right. this month. Not talk about it? I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to ignore that. And th- there's a bunch of stories we can talk about. I've got all kinds of show prep here, and, you know, the phone lines are always open. This is the show you can bring up anything. And all you have to do is call it's in. It's true. It's shocking. It's repetitive, and it's over and over again that the government is violating our rights, be it a, a national, a state, or a municipal level. The government is out there, and its, and its minions, and their legion, are out there messing up day after day and wasting your money and wasting your time and 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 hurting people so yeah we're going to talk about that because well that's kind of what we do or we could talk about politics for three hours how about that and you know the the, the evidence is out there that uh, of, of all the great uh, radio talk show hosts that have uh, led the way before us they say the same things over and over again i can tell you what russia's show is <laughs> Democrats suck. Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, Bill Clinton. I, you know, if Hillary gets beaten by Obama in this, what's Rush going to do? Because I, I, He told what, people to vote for Hillary, I heard. I heard he was advocating people go vote for Hillary. I think that's a stretch as to what he said. I don't know, man. He said what he wanted to see Hillary stay in the race, um, but... Yeah, he, I don't think he advocated anybody. I I heard that I, he and other conservative hosts have advocated their listeners change their registration to Democrat so they can vote for Hillary. Well, I I don't know. I I gotta say, if if I've got to choose between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, just those two choices. If I have to make the choice between those two, I would rather see Hillary Clinton in the office than Barack Obama. <laughs> just because I think that uh, you know the economy's on a on a downhill slide right now. Do so you think she'd be worse than Obama, and so therefore that's No, what I think you want? she would be better. Her husband's been in there. He's going to have some kind of uh, experience in handling the in, in uh, handling is not the right word when it comes to the economy. In riding the bucking bronco that is the economy, um, and I just you know I think that it's going to go it's going to be worse if Obama gets in than uh, Clinton, and it's going to be one of those two. 
Well, it's it's incalculable, Mark. I think it'll be effectively the same, and yes. you're talking about min- a minutiae's difference. Is Absolutely. What we're talking I'm, about not, with I'm not talking about a minutiae's difference. Right. No. I'm talking about the difference between the Clinton presidency and the um, Carter presidency. That's the kind of minutiae I'm talking about. Yeah, not much difference. Yeah, I'm Clinton with Nick on this. mostly limited by the fact that there was a Republican Congress. He was mostly limited by He would by have that. been about the same as Carter, and, you know, he was pretty bad on the gun issue, for one, which kind of made up for... Not going nuts on economic policy. I'm getting told that uh, apparently Rush did tell uh, his listeners to vote for uh, Clinton. All right, let's bring up another topic we brought up before several times. Real ID. Nick, what's well, the story? Well, it's finally going to become a real issue. This from the AP. Homeland security officials are pushing uh, recalcitrant states to adopt stricter driver's licenses standards uh, to end a standoff that could disrupt domestic air travel. Uh, states have less than a month to send a letter to the Homeland Security Department seeking an extension to comply with the Real ID law passed following the 2001 terror attacks. Some most sta- of them have filed for the extension. I most of them have. Even I think there's about 19 states that are sort of not going to comply, but they filed for the extension to buy time and put this off. Mm-hmm. Um, some states have resisted, uh, saying that it, it is costly, impractical, and an invasion of privacy. Four states, Maine, Montana, New Hampshire and South Carolina have yet to seek an extension. And I, it was my understanding that Governor Lynch here in New Hampshire was going to ask for an extension. He received many phone calls and emails. Um, and from what I've heard, we may not be seeking any extension at all. So we have. I saw the Ridley report on that today. RidleyReport.com, he actually read the letter from Governor Lynch, and his interpretation was that it, uh, that it was absolutely not uh, countowing. Right. Uh, but Lynch was going to do this a few weeks ago, yeah. so activism actually made a difference here as far as what the governor has That's decided good. to do. Um, Free so state project making a difference. We have until the end of March to ask for the extension, um, March 31st, and states which do not do it by that deadline, their residents will be subjected to a secondary screening by security workers before boarding any domestic flight beginning May 11th this year. That's the way to treat citizens. So your ID will not count at the airport if you if you're from New Hampshire, Montana, it's a South Carolina. It, it, no, it's it, a bluff. No, I think and we're going to find out for sure come up May 11th. I think they'll enforce it. And you know what? I don't think it's that big a deal. Secondary you don't think search. it's a big deal? Secondary search for every single passenger from New Hampshire, Maine, maybe at the airports That's in New Hampshire and Maine. Significant delays. Significant not, there is almost been, no have you one, been, How many times have you been to the airport in New Hampshire? There's, yeah. there's not that significant. There's not a significant yeah, amount of people that, getting on the plane. That's my point. Is that this is people from Montana, Maine, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Right. Is all they have to do is, is hire a few more TSA bureaucrats. Yeah. In New Hampshire, it'll make a difference. At Manchester Airport, people leaving from Manchester, that's going to make a slowdown at Manchester. But in New York City, not going to be that many New Hampshire people. I see what you're saying. The bureaucrats will probably just have to actually do 10 more minutes of work a day. And I hope you're wrong about this one. We'll find out all in good time here. I think they're going to extend it, and we'll find out that they were uh, full of it. But I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong on this one because if they do go that direction, then it's a, that's another huge step down the road to the police state. Well, these other states, which we're already in, these other states are asking for an extension, but they're likely not going to change change the resolutions and laws they passed against it. So I think the extension is buying time until like. This fall. So we're going to really? deal with it this spring. The extension buys them like six months. I thought it was a couple maybe, more years. I thought uh, they got to like 2011. I don't think so. I think I think you can buy a certain number of months, but they have to start the process of complying. 
I don't think they have to have a fully compliant ID, hmm. but they have to start com- the process to comply. So Ian, what's the answer to this? Months. What should a person what? do? What, well, what do you mean about what? Uh, what about, about getting the secondary screening and that kind of thing. What do you think? Well, if you have to fly for business or whatever, then you're going to have to submit. I mean, what else are you going to do? You can get a passport if you would rather bow and get a passport than do secondary searches every time. I have a passport. Well, then I you're need all a passport take... to travel inside the United States? Yeah, that's okay, a, that's there you awesome. go. That's a federally approved ID. It's Welcome compliant. to the police state, my friends. It has been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. We'll return tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.